Summer Mike and Paige. We're two college sweethearts who are madly in love. We have four breathtakingly wonderful kids, and we live in the Nashville area. We love a good story, and I love a good podcast, so does Mike, and so we decided to start a podcast telling our story. This is Laugh So You Don't Cry. So today, we have a doozy of a story. It's actually one of the first stories I knew about Mike when we started talking, Um And it's one that I request that he tells people all the time. So, without much more ado, or many more ados, here is Mike's story. In every man's life, there are are moments that will impact him, change him. Change him just forever. You're forever marked. uh, For the better. Mm -hmm. Um, Marriage, children, Mm -hmm. and then this. So I think I was like... Uh, the first time. Uh, I think I think I was like 20, 22. Yeah, I was 22. Uh, we were in a bar in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I was not there. He you says were not we. There. We, as in me and my friends, um, excluding Paige. And uh, <clears throat> it was a dueling piano bar. So they had these two big grand pianos pushed up together and they they played any song you could imagine. And so like you'd go up and like be like, here's five bucks, man. Play anything by Billy Joel, you know, or like... Just whatever, you know, you can play us, you know, Mayonnaise by the Smashing Pumpkins or just whatever song they played. It was awesome. Um, And they always had like, you know, really fun contests and stuff. And so anyway, we're over there drinking. There's like six of us and it's a pretty crowded place. Really nice place, too. And uh, they're like, all right, we need two contestants for a dance contest. And my friends are like, get up there and do it. And I'm like, cool, you know, okay. Something that about Mike and I is that if you bet us something, we're in. We're doing it. Yeah. If if there's, if, I don't know if I should tell people this because I'm probably gonna. <laughs> if you like put me on the spot to do something ridiculous, I'm probably we're gonna, gonna do, do it. it. Yeah. Um, so what are the things that attracted listen, me most I'm, about you? Yeah, but I'm also surprised I'm not in jail for a lot of the stuff <laughs> that I've done. Um, I ran through a glass door once. I'll tell that story another time. Anyway, so I get up on stage, and the other person who came up was this pretty girl in a dress, and they're like, all right, it's a, it's a dance-off contest, you guys, so we're going to start playing a song, and you guys got to start dancing, and we'll guess who the winner is, you know, we'll vote who the winner is. And uh, they played, oh, what is that Tina Turner song? What, oh, Big it's the, wheels keep on turning. Yeah, yeah, that song. So I was already a little three sheets to the wind, you know, I was young, dumb, hanging out with my friends at a bar. Uh, so they start playing the song, and I'm just blindly staring at this girl dance. <laughs> Made me very awkward for her and pretty much everybody else in the bar. And they stop the music, and they're like, all right, man, hey, it's a dance-off contest. You have to dance, too. And I was like, you oh. Don't, you don't just watch the girl shaking well, her, I, her goods. I thought she was going to go, and then I was going to go. You know, <laughs> like, So uh, it made sense at the time. So they start playing the song, and my soul came alive. Your soul ignited. So it, it lit. It was on a stage, and the stage was about a foot and a half, two feet up off the ground. I jumped off the stage, and I start moving my body in ways I didn't know I could move it. Uh, I literally embodied Tina Turner. I was shaking it. I, if I had one of those like skirts that flung around. Like it, a flapper skirt? It'd be flinging. Yeah, like a flapper <laughs> skirt. Uh, at one point, I went up to a table of... Uh, Elderly ladies, well, elderly they're probably at the time. like our mom's age. They're, they're probably yeah, they're probably like at the time forty. And I caressed some faces and spun around their chairs and may have done a couple of dips, you know, bringing my <laughs> booty to the ground, slamming it. Um, the girl on, on the stage, she was just standing there shaking her butt. Was there a dollar involved? Didn't one of the women, older ladies, like um, put a dollar? Listen, I made a profit that night. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. Um, so I'm like, and it probably lasted. What felt like five minutes is probably like 30 seconds. I was dripping sweat, <laughs> um, running around this bar, dancing my booty off. And so they're like, all right, we're done. We're not going to get back up here. Get back up there. Um, gosh, I remember I was just, well, one, I was I had alcohol, so I was already just. <laughs> you got the alky sweats. I got the alky sweats. Um, it, I've, watched, I've watched all four of my babies be born. I don't know where you're going with this. It was a great feeling watching them come into this world, but it wasn't as great oh. when they said, 
let's give it up for Amber. And it's like, yeah. And they're like, let's give it up for Mike. And it's like, <sighs> yeah, because you didn't accomplish the birth. <laughs> I did. It was a great feeling for me, guys. All that to say, Mike feels very accomplished for this. This felt better. <laughs> the crowd went wild. Congratulations. Yes. Um, <laughs> it is a good story. Uh, the best part was is I won a Jack Daniels t-shirt and a Jack Daniels hat and then a couple of Jack Daniels shots and shot glasses from the Jack Daniel girls that were sponsoring the night. Oh, um, of course. And here's the bad part. I left them in somebody's car. Never got to Who enjoy has them. it, guys? Why haven't you returned our Jack Daniels merch? Yeah. It is now mutual property. Yeah. Uh, circa like 2009, 2006. Guys, I don't even know when. I would like to say that during this time, I was faithfully in the church. I was praying my little heart out for my future husband. <laughs> and this is what he was doing. You were in high school still. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out there. I'm out there embodying Tina Turner. And I'm praying in a church for your soul and salvation. <laughs> you're doing you're doing trigonometry, and bit. I'm doing bootyometry. <laughs> booty, 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 we're wrecking everywhere. Anyway, so that was my story of how I won a Tina Turner dance-off contest. Hi, you're welcome. Friends, thanks so much for joining our fun little podcast and being part of the Laugh So You Don't Cry family. Um, I did want to put it out there. This week, I am sick. I'm sure you can hear that in my voice. Um, So I'm not going to be doing a a lot of talking, I don't think. But we're going to share just kind of our story of like where we got from here, uh, or how we got to here, I guess I should say. Uh, And just kind of our uh, our backgrounds. I did want to say we have like a whole bunch of new friends. So hi, uh, <laughs> welcome to our podcast. The place that we store our podcast before we upload them kind of does um, analytics for us. And we have friends in kind of some cool places. It's really random. Yeah. Like, so, hey, our friends from uh, Norway and Denmark and you, Germany. You're you really doing shout outs to Yeah, in Saudi Arabia. And I got a couple of Australia friends, although I think that one's for my das laugh so you don't cry. <laughs> sister-in-law. But guys, thanks for joining us. And of course, we have tons of North American friends, but we kind of assumed that one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we just started a Facebook page because apparently that's what you're supposed to do when you have a podcast. So like we're doing all these like promotions. It's really weird, guys. It's just, we're just weird. We're just, we're just a mom and dad. <laughs> like we're not. We're, we're like, no one special. No, no, no not at all. Uh, well, I mean, you are. But anyway. I mean, I like glitter. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think really uh, uh, we, we've told you a lot about this time in our lives. Um, and I think especially because, like, I'm working the 12-step program and counseling and, like, you know, in counseling, they're always like, you know, tell me about your childhood, stuff like that. And I I think there's something really important about understanding somebody's history yeah. and, like, their testimony about their life and, like, um, one like I was talking to a friend today, and she and I are both in recovery. She's been in recovery for eight years now, which is awesome. But like, learning that you're not alone in your struggles or like in your life, like you know, other people shared the same kind of experiences, just kind of makes you feel a little bit better. And so, um, I'm going to tell you my life story, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a solidarity in having friends who have gone through the same struggles. Mm-hmm. That's why I always tell people, like, don't let things be in the darkness. Let it come to light. Because the more you talk about it, one, the better you feel um, just getting that off your chest. But two, it also helps other people who have been in the same area have the confidence to get it off their chest or um, the courage. Yeah. And and also, you know, like, I think it's just fun also just to know where people have come from. Yeah. You know? Um, So, yeah. So this is my story. So. Uh, I was born in 1984, one of the greatest years of all time. Of course. Uh, the Tigers won the World Series back in that year. It was <laughs> awesome. Um, I was born in Detroit, Michigan, uh, Henry Ford Hospital. If I, I think that's what my birth certificate says. I don't know. I was just there. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> um, I was supposed to be, never supposed to be. My mom was supposed to be able to have babies, and my dad was shooting blanks, and so there was no... He told his mom that he, he was yeah, shooting well, yeah, so I'm just going to assume that that was the truth. <laughs> just right. go off that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, I was supposed to be never existed. That Anyway. Um, 
born in Detroit. We lived in Detroit for a couple of years. I have one sister um, that I know about. (laughs) I could have a lot more sitting out there somewhere. Uh, To my knowledge, I do not. Um, My sister, uh, who shall remain nameless. She's um, a saint of a human. She's a saint of a woman. Uh, Probably one of my best friends. She's 12 years older than I am. Um, My dad, who I have the exact same name as. Mike is a junior. I'm a JR. Uh, You guys can call me JR if you want to. (laughs) So he, right after I was born, like six weeks in, just decided to be like, ah, this dad thing ain't for me. Deuces, y'all. Which is kind of amazing. Like for us, pregnancy is the worst part. So like (laughs) he made it through the crazy. You think he would have left, you know, before I came. So uh, no, but he left and left my mom and my sister and little old me. Um, We grew up low income. Uh, which I didn't know that until I got older. Because, uh, you know, like when you're growing up, you don't ever think like, you know, I'm poor. You just, you have what you have. You're just existing. Yeah, you're just existing. Uh, until I started getting older, um, my mom actually got sick and won a lawsuit from some, from having a stroke and all these issues. And uh, for like first time in my life, we had, we had money. And like, that's when I, that's when I realized like we were poor before, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Um So yeah, my mom got sick back in 94. She had her first stroke, uh, which put her in a a wheelchair. Um, So I don't really have a lot of memories of my mom not being in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, But I do have a lot of really good memories of like growing up around a lot of people. My mom was really good at being in community. Mm -hmm. She had a lot of good friends. Um, You always tell about like going to garage sales. Yeah. Like she would drive around and be like, Mikey, Mikey, get out of the car. See if they have any good she stuff. She would sit inside. <laughs> I forgot about that, Marie. Thank you. I love that. She would sit inside the car and she'd be like, go see if they got anything good. <laughs> I'm, I'm nine. <laughs> 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 they got baseball bats and baseball mitts. These are awesome. I want these, you know, like, yeah, but uh, that was kind of our thing. We'd always drive around and do that together, which is great because me and Paige do the same thing. Yeah, I love a good garage sale. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I grew up without a dad. And in 94, my mom got sick. And I can kind of, that thinking back on memories, that's kind of when like life really started, it feels like. Um, because um, I was a chubby kid in elementary school. I, was, I got picked on a lot. You know, I didn't have really good self-esteem. Um, and then that's like really when things kind of hit the fan. Um, because, you know, growing up without a dad, that was one thing. And now my mom was sick. You know, so my mom couldn't go to a lot of things at the school and whatnot. Um, and because we had gotten all that money, we started eating a lot more because that's the one thing we could do. You mm-hmm. know, so we started eating really good. Uh, so I gained a lot more weight. And uh, elementary school was kind of a big blur for me because I got picked on so much. Um, Is that because, like, you tried to suppress those memories? What do you mean? Like, you get picked on a lot. It wasn't happy stuff, so... Yeah, see, I don't remember a whole lot from... I mean, I remember, like, stuff with my family, but, like, when I think about elementary school itself and, like, friends and stuff, I had, like, one friend, mm-hmm. uh, Carl. He was awesome. We loved NASCAR. We used to watch NASCAR races together I all the time. I love that. Yeah, it was great. He was a good friend. Um, <laughs> if anybody from, like, my high school is listening, you know who I'm talking about. He was a great guy. Uh, he's a great friend, too. Um, so, my mom got sick. I got fat. I got picked on. Um, I remember being bullied so much. Like, I remember getting off the school bus and having to run home a lot. Uh, There were these kids in the neighborhood that would pick on me religiously Mm -hmm. and beat up on me religiously. And, like, I remember the school bus driver, the last school bus stop was a block away from a main road. And so she would let me stay on the bus and she would punch it to the last block before the major turn on. And she would let me off. So that I had a block ahead of the kids. Because mm. they got off on that last stop. Um, sometimes I made it home. Sometimes I didn't. Um, don't remember a lot <laughs> in between there. It um, sucks so bad. It did, yeah. Um, then things changed. I, uh, I got into middle school. You know, and that's when, that's when all the good things happen is in middle school. Uh, no, not really. Um, but I tried out for football in middle school and it was cool because like now my weight was a good thing. Like I was a big kid. And so like I could, 
use that weight. Uh, and it was really cool to kind of be part of a team and like something totally different. You know, there's camaraderie and stuff. And I I saw my seventh grade year, which is really, really random time in your life. I gained all this confidence. Yeah. Because like I may have been a fat kid, but I could use that fatness. <laughs> you know? I'm going to mull you over. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, that was cool that, that I developed that. Um, and then that summer is the summer where I took the turn for the worst. So that was the summer of 97 going into yeah, 98. Um, that's the summer I, I like to I like to think of. That's when I got into smoking cigarettes, listening to ICP, and smoking weed. Um, there was a kid in, down the road who introduced me to all three of those things. And all his friends became my friends. And so we all started hanging out. Um, I was really big into ICP. Especially because you know they're from they're from Michigan and oh man they drink the Fago and I love the Fago, you know I love the Fago. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was a thirteen year old kid smoking cigarettes, listening to ICP, and started smoking some weed with some guys and spent my summer doing that. Um, that was the summer that everything changed, not just in me but around me too. Um, that was the summer where my mom got sick again. Uh, right before the school year started of eighth grade, uh, she got, she had another stroke and, uh, she did not survive this one. Mm. She, uh, she passed away, uh, I think two weeks in the hospital. It's me and my sister will talk about this still to this day. Like sometimes it feels like it was two days she was in the hospital. Sometimes it feels like it was six months. Well, it's grief, you know, like everything's a blur when there's just so much immense sadness and pain. That's a lot. That's a lot for you to go through at such a young age. Her yeah. too. She was still very young. Yeah, she was newly married. Like, she was fresh married. Like, it, my mom died in September. My sister got married that June prior. Mm-hmm. So, like, which is great that my mom got to be there for that. Right. Like, my sister got to have that, which I think is so awesome. Um, we often grieve together that my mom never got to meet our kids. Uh, my sister has two incredible kids, um, and you know I have the four okay kids, but <laughs> you know that we that she never got to meet them, um, which is hard at some you know times like because I'll talk about my mom and be like you know Grandma Sheila, and my kids don't understand that you know yeah uh, they will eventually but you know um, when she died. I, I, man, I took a, I, I, I went to the dark side. Uh, I was already, you know, doing some stupid stuff and being one of those little punk kids. Um, but man, like I went off a deep end. I had started skateboarding and listening to punk rock music. You should say who got you when you died. When oh. your, I'm sorry, when your mom died. Yes. Uh, so when my mom died, m- my sister took me in. Um, newly the, married six months. Newly married for six months. Living in a one-bedroom little, little, uh, man, this apartment was tiny. Uh, here's uh, here's one of those things that you don't realize until years later. Um, God's sovereignty and God's greatness and goodness to us. Um, I could have went to the state. I could have went to my grandma. I could have went to one of my uncles or aunts. I could have went a myriad of places. <laughs> um, but where I went was literally the best place. Yeah. Um, my brother-in-law, who's my, my sister's husband, obviously the greatest man I've ever met. He's a really great guy. And I really mean that. Like we both like the Patriot. Good <laughs> he model. loves the movie, the Patriot. So does Paige. That was a big, big, that was uh, our bonding, was our bonding moment. Um, <laughs> I made it hell on earth for Casey and Misty. That's my mm-hmm. sister and brother-in-law. I made it so hard on them, uh, intentionally. Cause I was just mad at everybody, especially the authorities in my life. Um, but man, that man loved me tremendously, still does. Yeah. Um, it's funny, I'll go I'll go back to Michigan and visit and you know, he always says the exact same thing. And I know I know he'll say it, and it's one of the my favorite things to hear. He'll slap me on the shoulder and be like, Glad to have you home, Michael. Nobody calls me Michael. <laughs> Casey calls me Michael. He also says it's nice to have the family all together again. Mm-hmm. Um so looking back, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Um, at the time, man, I was just angry kid. Uh, you know, you I probably was, needed a whole heck of a lot of counseling. 
I'm sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Still do. Um, Amen. Me too. Yeah. So I'm this 13-year-old kid whose mom just died. Um, I just spent the last year realizing that my size is not a bad thing, but a good thing. And so I have all this confidence. Um, I have new friends who love me for me, <laughs> you know, um, but are also really cocky and like um, aren't afraid to get their hands dirty and do stupid crap. So it's like a, you know, like is a real bad mixture. Um, so I went into like my eighth grade year, super angry. Um, I used to use it as, I used to think of it as like a prideful thing. Mm. Um, but really what it was, is I was just numb. Right. And what I thought that numbness was, was fearlessness. And I played that off for years. Like I thought I was this fearless kid. Uh, I mean, even into like my early twenties, like I thought my fearlessness was like this strength that I had, but really what it was, I was numbing myself. Um, mm. the fearlessness was being portrayed as that, but it was just me numb, numb to the world. Um, and me forcing that numbness, like I don't want to feel this. So I'm just going to act crazy and, and suppress all those feelings that I was feeling. This is also a time where I really started experimenting with more drugs. Um, you know, we used to do acid and, you know, smoke a ton of weed and really whatever we get our hands on, you know, and it's crazy, it's crazy the stuff that we could get access to as middle schoolers, you know, and it's really because we had access to older kids who had access to, to stuff. Um, probably one of the biggest things, I f if I could have changed anything, it would have been the people that I put myself around because uh, they really pulled me down, like gave me access to things. That's why friends matter. Yeah. And like, it wasn't like their fault. Like they weren't trying, like they weren't trying that, like that was their life, you know? And I just, I, I joined into it. Um, but we, I mean, it's crazy to think like the kind of parties and stuff that we had and like how we didn't get caught doing some of the stuff we did. Like we used to break into abandoned buildings and like smoke weed upstairs and like in the basements and stuff and like break and enter into places. I mean, like we did just some stupid rebellious crap with no, no aim or gain in mind. It was just, we, we thought we could, we wanted mm -hmm. to, and there was nobody, nobody there to watch us. And one of the, it's crazy thinking back, one of the biggest themes for all of us was we didn't have dads. Yeah. A lot of the guys that I hung out with, they, they came, they had single parent homes or really abusive homes, you know, um, which is one of the biggest encouragements for me now not to, you know, one, be a bad dad, but also just be a very present dad. Mm. So middle school ends as it does. Uh, and then I went into high school as just this cocky, cocky kid. You know, as we learned before, that's where I met my true love. Um, <laughs> my first true love. I'm sorry. You are my true love now. No, it's okay. It's okay. You can have that. True she can have that. True love's first kiss. <laughs> A real kiss. Whatever. I'm secure of where I am. It's fine. Good. You should be. So is she. Um, <laughs> oh, I have four kids, though. <laughs> Lock me down. Um, I was really, really cocky. You know, I, was, I, <laughs> I had a girlfriend, you know. Um, oh, not the girlfriend. I was, which is a big thing in high school, especially when you're a freshman. Uh, I was in a band, you know, like all the really cool stuff. I was in a band. So my high school career started off what I thought was really good. And I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like there were a lot of really good things that were going on. Like I had good friends, you know, like I enjoyed going to school, um, mainly for the social, 99% oh, for the social aspect. Um, <laughs> plus, plus my girlfriend was there. So, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt like things were good, all things considered, but like a diehard reality was like, I wasn't, I, I, I never processed my mom's death. Right. I never processed growing up without a dad. Um, I never processed getting the crap kicked out of me and being picked on. I never processed being a fat kid. Um, I never, I never processed anything. I just shoved it way, way, way down, mm -hmm. um, and it made me super angry and super depressed and like just I, I felt insane, mm -hmm. like. 
I put a good front on the outside, but I, I really like in, in the private, like I just, there was a darkness in me and I just thought that that was life. I thought that that's what, well, this is who I am because this is what I've gone through and this is, this is what it is. Um, I wish I would have told somebody that when I was younger because I had to process that a lot sooner to realize that that's not true. Right. Um, I wish I, I wish I had been in counseling and had processed all that. Um, but here's the good thing about that. So, well, what did not processing it do? I lashed out. Um, mm. oh, especially, at, especially at authority. Mm-hmm. Like I gave my brother-in-law the hardest time because, you know, he inserted himself as this authority in my life. And man, I remember like I, I would, I would say crap, like, you know, you're not my parent. You can't do that. You know, like, um, my, my favorite thing in the world is music. Right. And so he would, uh, he would, to punish me, he would take away my stereo. Right. But my mom gave me that stereo right before she died. Oh. And so believe me, I would play that guilt trip. And I mean, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm so amazed that he had so much, um, patience. Right. Cause I would have probably stabbed me <laughs> at that age. Like he just had so much patience. Like I deserved to get the crap kicked out. <laughs> it probably would, I probably would have benefited from it, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, yeah. And I mean, like I, I, I drank and I, I smoked weed and like I intentionally. Like did, all of those things to suppress the feelings and yeah, zag out of yeah, it. To like feel something. Right. To like let the wild out. Without letting the wild out, mm. you know, like I felt like I was out of control, and so I might as well be out of control. And a lot of times, man, I remember I remember so many times, like walking after parties, like home, and being like, "Well, like father, like son," which is Gosh, one thing. That's I, which, such a lie from Satan. Which I, I didn't say that prior. Like my, I found out later, like my dad was a a drug dealer, uh, a thief. Like, uh, I remember when I was like 10, I found this box of paperwork in the basement that my mom was trying to hide from me. And it was all these like police reports from years and years and years of just crap my dad had done. Um, I don't know why she kept it. I think it was kind of like her way of holding on to a little bit of him. Um, but it was insane being 10 and like reading like Mike Guzman was found breaking and entering. Mike Guzman was found with possession and, you know, or intent to sell. And <laughs> it's like. I'm my Guzman, <laughs> you know, like I never did any of this stuff. And it was, it was, um, kind of a, a, a mind screw. Like it really jacked with me. Um, which then played into like that whole, like, like father, like son thing. Right. And side note, um, when I started dating Mike, he was like, I'm the only Guzman I know. And he, he would say Guzman, he would say Guzman, he, he would say, uh, Guzman, like he didn't even know how to pronounce his own last name mm-hmm. or have a preference on it because he didn't know his dad, this man that he's named after. And so finally, you know, we're getting married. <laughs> You're like, we got to figure, we gotta figure this I out. I said, babe, you got to pick one. And like, that's what we, because it's now my last name and I have to tell everyone. <laughs> so how do I say our last name? When I spent years being like, like when I played football, it was it went, like, we went from me and Mike to Guzman. Because, you know, you're in the North and everybody's white and it's Guzman because that's what, that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And then people would call me Guzzy, Guz. And I, still to this day, if I go back home to Detroit like I and I see people that I knew even after high school, like they call me by my last name. And then like every job I had in Michigan, you know, like my sign on was always Guzman, mm-hmm. you know, and so like. Still, it's like it, it's so crazy. Like when we when I went when I moved away for college, people called me Mike, and it was so weird because yeah. that I wasn't used to that. <laughs> so, um, but we decided on Guzman because that's how you say it. <laughs> um, so to this day, I still slips out. You know, like people call me Guzzy, Guzzy Wuzzy. You know all that stuff. He, the other day, he said he was reading a sentence, and he was like, Mike Guzman. Son, 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 Mike Guzman. I was like, you just said your last name two different ways. <laughs> it is like in a paragraph. Yep. Because you can say it however you want to. It's, it's, my, it's my name. Um, 
so high school. Uh, I was a, I was a mess. Pretend like I had it all together. Um, and then things changed again. A whole lot of change in a couple of years. Mm. Um, I just realized like there was never really a moment or a like a good long period of like structure. Sure. You know, there tried to be. Like we did the best we could, what we got. Like my mom got sick the first time. My sister helped, you know, raise me because she had to, you know. And then my sister had to raise me after my mom died. Right. So like consistency was not. It's not there. Was not there. And that's nobody's fault. It was just the hand we were dealt, you know. Um, I know sometimes people can feel guilty for that. And a lot of my family, I think, sometimes do. Like my grandma and stuff, I know like she was frustrated by that and other family and stuff. So, but man, that's just the crappy hand we were dealt. Um, so high school comes, um, there's this, even though I'm dating somebody, there's this really cute girl <laughs> who says, Hey, do you want to come to youth group with me? And I was like, girl, I'll go wherever you want. And we go, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> was <laughs> like, this pre-Wiccan girlfriend? No, I, I, had a girl, I, I had a girlfriend at the time. Okay. Listen, man, there ain't no, with no ring on his finger. You can't lock yet. me down. Not yet. 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 Pre-proposal? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what a youth group was. I didn't grow up going to church. So I was just like, youth, group, you, you got it. Uh, so I went and that was the biggest turning point in my entire life. Um, it was at this little small church in Woodhaven, Michigan. And it was filled with the nicest people. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I was this cocky high school kid who thought I was tough crap, who had an attitude problem, who had all these walls up, and, you know, I constantly kind of flex myself to be like, I ain't let nobody in, like, I'm untouchable, you know? And <laughs> I remember uh, Jake Malpy, and I'm going to call him by name, I don't care, uh, came up to me, and I was wearing some skateboard shirt, and he, like, made his way over to me. And started talking to me and like, he didn't care. He saw right through this like tough guy, tough punk rock kid exterior and just started talking to me. And like, man, I walked into that, that youth group and I felt at home. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, There's yet and again, another thing that the church did for us. Like, yeah, I'm sure you were not easy to love back then. No, I was a jerk. (laughs) That was not the word you went to go say. No, it was not. I was a male genitalia. Um, But man, like, um, I I, I gotta brag. I gotta brag. Because this, I I could spend weeks talking about my time at that church. They loved Mm -hmm. deep and hard. Like, and they taught the Bible so well. They still do. But like... Man, the youth pastor there took me under his wing, loved on me um, in such a way that I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't even begin to comprehend the sacrifice. But also, like, to do, I, I pray that I get to do half of what he did for other people. And it would still be so unattainable, it feels like, because there's just so much. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so I started going to this youth group because this cute girl was there. And then I met some friends, so I figured I'd just keep going. And they invited me to go to one of those, like, you know, weekend winter retreat getaway things, you know, at Spring Hill Camps. What, what? Um, I have very fond memories of that camp. Uh, And that's where I heard the gospel for the first time. And I accepted Jesus as my savior. Uh, It was awesome. Um, I remember the youth pastor, Aaron, was like, when I told him, you know, like, the, the, the speaker guy was like, if you made the decision tonight, go tell your youth pastor, you know, blah, blah, blah. Go tell somebody. <clears throat> so I went and told somebody. And he was like, cool, man, cool. Why? I love that. And I was like, oh, I did not expect that. I was expecting like a, yeah, you know, woo. I didn't His e- youth group wasn't like a party youth group. His no. youth group was like a crack open the Bible. We're going to learn theology. You're going to learn something today. <laughs> Which is funny because I grew up in a party youth group, but I had a youth pastor who our high school youth pastor who was like, oh, you're going to know the word. Mm. Um, but we still partied too. <laughs> yeah, we didn't We didn't party. Like we didn't even, there was no worship. 
there was there was like you sit down you you have community and you you learn yeah. and i learned so much but uh yeah he, he flat out was just like cool man so why and i was like oh, i was taken back by that because i wasn't expecting to have to give an answer um <laughs> but the answer i gave him was the, the true one i was like you know i look around at all you guys here and <clears throat> you're happy like you yeah. you're happy and there's no reason in the world to be happy. Like wow. li- life, life is awful. Mm. There's no reason. And the only thing that I can see that's a consistency in all of your lives is this Jesus guy. So I got to have it. I need him. And that literally the coin flipped over in my life. Um, if I hadn't have met Jesus at that age, I probably would be dead. Or a criminal, or both. Um, probably both. Because I was, I was my my trajectory was just awful. <laughs> like it was just like self destruction. But man, like I fell in love with with Jesus. I fell in love with the church. I fell in love with His Word, and like I became like a, a, theolo- a theology nerd. And like right away, and I just i can i it became all consuming like I had to know everything in the world there was to know about jesus and that that's all I did mm-hmm. I mean like I was big into music, I gave all that secular music up, which I had a lot of friends who were so bitter about that because I had a great collection at the time like um did y'all have one of those um burning pits where you all got together and burned the music no uh no I asked a fr- that was a big youth group thing I asked a good friend of mine. We walked out in the woods together and did it together. Oh um, no! So you still did it, but you like yeah. But it was uh, it was more intimate. Oh, of course it was. Yeah, because it's Mike. Exactly. Yeah, <coughs> Mike my, is a that's my enneagram coming out. Mike is huge into like he would much rather have an intimate thing, and I'm like the more people who know, the more party. So I spent four incredible high school years being in love with Jesus. Um, being this kid who was like angry and mad and like really negative to like trying to be a light for the, for the Lord. Um, and I, man, I made some incredible relationships relationships that are still really strong today. I'm really grateful for, for a lot of the families that loved on me, like the Johnsons mm-hmm. shout out to the Johnsons. <laughs> I love Sandy mm-hmm. and Kara and everybody else, but you know who you are. <laughs> um, you know, but also with that, you know, comes comes frustration, you know, because I I was kind of one of those Bible thumping kids, you know, um, would die for my beliefs and kind of got preachy to my family and other people, <laughs> um, you know. And the thing is, is like I was surrounding myself with people with with like minded beliefs, you know, which is good. It's good for your faith um, because it, you know, helps iron on iron and sharpen that. Um, but I wasn't letting anybody challenge it either. And, uh, that, that hurt a lot of friendships. Um, this would be kind of hard to talk about, but anyway, so I got really preachy to my family and, um, I got into a big argument with my sister one night and I remember just getting on her being like, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I don't understand how you cannot believe in Jesus. And she, she challenged my faith. She said to me, she goes, I, I don't know how you could believe in something that would ever say mom isn't in heaven, isn't in heaven. And that, that wrecked me. Because I hadn't thought about that at that time yet. Like I was falling in love with Jesus. I was enjoying this new life, this this, this freedom, this freedom, this restoration. Now, mind you, I hadn't really, I hadn't like started giving things over to the Lord, like as far as like past hurts, you know. Like I was working on like working out my salvation as you're supposed to, but like nobody ever told me like, hey, this stuff in the past you're holding on to, you could probably work <laughs> on because I didn't know that I was holding on to it. Um, but for the first time, like my faith was challenged. So 
because of who I was at the time and because of just who I was, I was like, well, there's an answer for that. I will find, I will find it, you know, because I guess it's true. Like I, I, I don't know where my mom is at. The only person can answer that is her and Jesus, <laughs> you know? Right. And since I can't ask her, I will ask the Lord, uh, which started about a six month to a year long search for that answer. Um, I remember sitting down with my youth pastor, uh, sitting down with a couple of elders, um, reading books, praying constantly, um, and I never got an answer. Uh, it was really hard and really frustrating because I'm like, oh, okay, this is, you know, this is uh, this is kind of a big question, you know, like, where is where is my mom? Mm. And I remember pleading with the Lord. Um, on a regular basis, and the answer was never given to me. And which was crazy because at the time in my faith and in, in my walk with the Lord, uh, he was, I mean, like, if I had a question, I found an answer. If there was an issue, it was solved. Like, if it, this was out of the norm for what was going on. And it threw a wrench in my faith. Mm. Um, I got bitter and angry. And so I just decided, like, if you're not, if you're not going to answer this for me, like, and you, and you see how big this is to me, Lord, like, if you see how, how catastrophic this, this is to my faith, and even if the answer is no, like, even if the answer is no, she's in hell. Like, I just need to know, like, Mm. how come you're not answering this for me? And if, if you can't see that, and if you're not willing to do that for me, that I don't want anything to do with you. Like I didn't lose. And so I, I quit following the Lord. Mm. Um, that started three years of, <laughs> of me being the prodigal son. Um, mm. And the thing was, is I, I, I didn't, I didn't lose my faith in Jesus. Like I believed in Jesus. I knew who Jesus was. Um, I did exactly what my dad did. Right. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know that this person exists. I know my responsibility to that person, but I'm just going to say, screw it and get out of Dodge and just ignore the fact that they exist. My dad did that to me and I did that to Jesus. And I did that for three years. Um, so I cut out the church. I cut out all my relationships and started living a crazy party life, which really got me back into drugs. Uh, that's actually the first time I ever, in that three years when I first started taking um, like pills. Like abusing pills? Abusing pills, yep. Um, I was on a road trip working, um, and a kid I was with, we were drinking some beers in the hotel room after a shift, and he was like, hey man, you want to try a Vicodin? He's like, it'll really calm me down with this beer. And I said no, and he says trust me, man, it's really great. And that was literally the first time I ever took one. And that started a big old, uh, question. When that happened, did you feel Holy Spirit saying anything to you at that time? Or were you so like suppressing God that, (laughs) um, here's why I ask because there are very clear times where I have heard God impress on me or audibly speak to me where I know like this is a a path divider. So just curious if that was a time that God audibly or or impressed on your heart spoke to you. Man. I mean his all, word already spoke to you about this all the time. Yeah. It was an internal con- like conflict. Um one of the things that I used to love doing with the Lord when I did follow him when I was in high school is I would go out in the morning and have quiet time. Yeah. And I would like go to the park and like look at the water down by the river and um, just enjoy his presence and then just sit in like in prayer, you mm. know, in the quiet. Whoo, man, I can't. I, so many times I would, I mean, I'd be at, I'd be, we would be partying all night and you know, out with chicks and doing drugs and drinking and just doing crazy crap. And I would, 
drop everybody off or be driving home and I would go drive down to Rotary Park. Yeah. And I'd sit by the dock, park in front of the docks and I'd sit on the hood of my car and play music and sit there in my feelings. Um, but I'd feel that conflict. I yeah. would feel that like, you, you know, this is wrong. You know how you're living is wrong. And I mean, God constantly spoke to me and I would, and I would hear it and I would, and I would shove it away. Right. But I still had the feeling. I still had that feeling of remorse and like sadness. And so the three years came to an end. Um, I was actually at Jake Malpy's wedding. The guy who I met at youth group. Um, it was an awesome wedding. Awesome time. There was lots of wine. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, <laughs> I'm at the wedding, which I, I should have suspected this because, you know, he went to the church. His dad was an elder. Like, There's going to be a lot of church people there. A lot there. of church people there. Uh, it was not the church we, we went to before. It was in Ann Arbor. Um, so I sit down and sit behind me is the pastor and his entire family, who I was very close with. Um, <laughs> and yeah, very awkward. Very because they were very invested into me, and I just wrote them off and hadn't spoke to them for three years. In fact, avoided everybody that I could intentionally. There's another church hurt that you caused. Yeah, I'm sure that hurt them tremendously. For sure. Um, So at the reception, there's the Johnsons, of course, because every freaking church family's there. (laughs) And Sandy comes up to me. Sandy, Sandy, I love you tremendously for this angel of a woman. She's Mm -hmm. like Michael. Where have you been? And, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like one of the, it so awkward, awkwardly awesome. You're like, I've been off sin. Yeah, I've been off. Hey. <laughs> um, no, man, she like gripped onto me and she's like, you need to come around more. Um, In fact, they invited him to their house that night. Yeah, they were like, you need to come hang over to the house. Come over to the house. We, you know, because I spent a lot of time over there. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Totally. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Super awkward night. I got hammered because I just could not deal with it. Um, but I also, I think I gave Miss Johnson my number and she didn't leave me alone. <laughs> and so I had to go over there and I had to see her son, Zach. Me and Zach were really good friends at the time. And so I go over there and we're hanging out, we're talking. And um, I, I, go, I went over there a, a couple of times. And on one of the times... You know, the whole family's there, and Miss J just asked me flat out. She goes, so, Michael, what what happened? You know, what? why why did you leave? And I just told her flat out. You know, I, was, I wasn't trying to hide nothing. I just said, my mom died. You know that. I struggled to, to know where she was at in heaven or hell. Right. And God didn't answer. So, so I pieced out of that joy. I was a pissy little kid. Right. And still am. Um, and they were like, well, you know, is there anything in the world that, you know, like that you could think of like memories, somebody who might know, like, and honestly, no, like there was nothing. The only thing, the only thing that I knew about, um, in my 12 and a half years, 13 years with my mom is that she had this big old white Bible, like the ones that they use in the Catholic churches with the pictures in it. It had like the plush front cover. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Super heavy. Um, and I used to play with it as a kid, as a ramp for my cars. And I remember there was a name in it and it said, you know, to Sheila from Mike Lixie. And I just happened to remember that. And I said, you know, the only thing I have is this stupid Bible and it has some name in it. And I said his name, Mike Lixie. Miss J loses her mind. Well, Zach's face drops and Zach's like, no freaking way. No way. And that's how he talked. And <laughs> Miss J is almost about to cry. And he goes, Zach goes, he's our neighbor. Mike Lixie flippin' lives walking distance next door. Next door to a house that I've spent. I hope you all have chills because I did the first time I heard that. I, I spent I spent countless hours at their house. Right. Never knew that. Um, they're like, he's moving next week. No, no. So I, yeah. So I, I was like, cool, cool, cool. Okay. 
So I left. I wasn't about to deal with that. I was losing my mind. I didn't know I had this rush of emotion. And they forced me to come back. The Johnsons did. So I did. And um, I went over there with Zach. And Zach introduced me. And I remember I knock on the door and there's this short, balding, little <laughs> Italian-looking man. And I was like, hey, you, you don't know me, but I'm Sheila McSpadden's son. And that boy, man, that man's face lit up like fireworks. And he goes, I know you. You're little Mikey. He's like, man, I remember when you were this big. You know, and he puts a little hand out. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> so I got a really random question for you. Back to why I'm here. Yeah. And so I, I just told him. I told him. I told him what happened. Sometimes and that's nice with strangers. Like you don't have that front or you don't yeah, have that. to give like the long story. You just can be like. Okay, I'm going to be frank and to the yeah. point. And I was. <laughs> and I said, so here I am, man. You're, you're literally the only avenue, the only resource I have. Do you know if my mom's in heaven or hell, man? <laughs> Gosh. Poor Mike Lexi. That's a lot of pressure, man. His face lit up. And he said... When we were in college, we were college age, I told your, I told your mom about Jesus, mm. and she accepted Jesus as her Savior. And he's like, I have no doubt in my mind that she is in heaven. Come on now. And I remember being, this weight lifted off me, but also this crushing feeling came over me. Oh, what was the crushing feeling? I made a big mistake. For three years, mm. running away from the Lord. Because the thing is, like I, I, like I said before, I looked and I looked and I looked and I looked for the answer. Right. I inquired everywhere. I, I begged the Lord for the answer, <clears throat> and it, it was right there. It was next door the entire time. I mean, I, I, I mentored Zach for a little while, so I was there over all the time. I mentored Kara for a little while. I was over there all the time. I worked for the Johnsons in their bounce house company. I was over there all the time. I was over their house all the time. And their neighbor was the answer was the source. And if I had just been patient and waited on the Lord, it could have been the very next time that I was over there. Or shared that you're struggling that with Miss J because she probably would have had the exact same answer. Yeah. Or, you know, response then. Very good point. If I had just shared, I never even thought about that. If I had just shared this burden. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some people knew, you know, but nobody knew that I was like, screw this, I'm done. Right. Um, It was truly a beautiful thing. And like Paige had said, I found out he was literally moving in like two weeks to California to live with his sister. So talk about God's timing. (laughs) Yeah. Taking my mess and make it into his timing. Mm. Come on, Lord, so, with yeah. that. I quickly got back on track. Um, started going back to church. Made amends with a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people. Um, the beautiful thing, too, is, man, I, I remember that first Sunday I went back to church. It was actually the Sunday of, like, the church um, summer picnic out on the lawn. So, you know, I'm going to see everybody. <laughs> and it was a 300-person church, so you can see everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, people were coming up to me, and they were just like, hey, so good to see you. So good to see you. Gosh, I love How to hear you? it. Like, so glad to have you back here. There was no, like, because I remember I was really close to a lot of the elders, a lot of people, and I burned those bridges. They reached out, and I did not reach back. So, I mean, it was... Man, can you imagine had it gone the other way? Mm-hmm. Had the church not been receptive to you coming back? Like, y- you were really in a vulnerable spot. Yeah. So... And they received me well. Praise God for that. Yeah. So I got back on track with my spiritual life. Uh, there was a lot of purging. I had a lot of friends that I had to decide if I'm going to keep spending time with them because they were into some bad stuff, and so was I. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of conflict in that. Um, it took took some time to restore relationships and also purge some of the bad ones. Um, yeah. It was worth it. And then started the process of getting back into community, community, and also like the calling that I had in my life. 
Like yeah. I, I wanted to be a youth pastor when I was in high school. Um, my, I had, I had the offer, my youth pastor offered to pay for my schooling. Um, separately, the elders of the church got together and offered to pay for my schooling. And like all the doors were opened and then I left the church and slammed those doors cl- closed. Um, but yeah, and I, it's, it's funny because I, I never had this like, well, you know, I just spent three years away from the Lord. Uh, I'm probably, I probably need to spend like three years getting back to be holy and spiritual before mm-hmm. I can serve him. Like, no, man, I was like ready. Like, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta right take, at it. I gotta take off where I left off. Yeah. Like I'm like, I, I wasted three years. Like foolishly, I'm not going to waste any more time being foolish. I love that. Which I, coming out of this, coming into the sobriety time, I wish that I had that same mentality because there's a lot of reservations to go back into ministry because of my lack of sobriety. I wish, I wonder what the difference is there. That's, that's a whole other conversation we can have. Um, I have thoughts. We can talk about it. We can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, pillow talk for later. (laughs) Um, man, no, but I, I, because I still love the Lord and I still knew he existed. I knew he was real. And man, like, I want everybody else to know. And especially, like, guys, like, I was, I was like, guys, I wasted three years. Don't do it. Everybody listen. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't do it. It gives you that new sense of urgency. Yeah, super sense of urgency. I mean, I had it before and now it was, like, amplified. Uh, so, I, I yeah, I, I applied to Bible college, got in, and um, started that whole new segment of my life. Which was crazy because I how things turned out was nowhere near my plan. Not not one iota of it was my plan. I, you're welcome. <laughs> you yeah, are welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Let's let's be honest. Um, how how it turned out like our lives right now, or are you going to Moody and meeting me? All of it. Like so, my plan was to go to Moody Chicago and womp see womp. see my family all the time because it's only a couple hours from sure. Michigan. You know, um, and then replace my youth pastor at my church. Right. And that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> it, not at all. I went, had to go to Spokane. Hated it the first semester because I was gypped. All my family's in Michigan. All my friends were going to Bible college in in, in, in uh, Chicago. And it was like, I felt gypped. Right. And so but what the, a blessing that turned out to be. Yeah. So I was trying, I applied like twice to Chicago trying to get in mm. and like had petition letter signed like from my my pastor my youth pastor who was an alumnus there like tr- man was trying to move heaven and earth to go to go to Chicago because that was the plan and I was and the Lord kept on being like no nah, no nah, man yeah. I said Spokane yeah and like I fell in love with Spokane gosh it was a great place to live it for a, it was a great place to go to school it was a great yeah. community and I personally love the Chica- the Spokane campus more than Chicago. Uh, we'll talk about this in another podcast uh, where I think in two weeks we'll release the podcast of how we met and that whole shebang. But I was at the Chicago campus for one semester and quickly said, this is not for nah, me. Bro. And I came right back to Spokane. <laughs> <laughs> Catch and release. Um, yeah, no, and I, I mean, I loved, I, yeah. I loved it. It was so good. And it changed me because I... I think God knew the exact community you needed. Oh, for sure. Knowing what I know about Michigan. Chicago campus oh, yeah. and knowing what I know about Spokane campus, I think God... I know that God knew that you needed Spokane. And being that close to Michigan, like, you know, I have, there, there are a lot of bad influences in Michigan for me. And, and maybe you needed that space to grow and mature in your faith and yeah. like fully put a solid foundation. Yeah. Cause I was on my own mm-hmm. out there and I never had met the buyers. Mm-hmm. I never would have met you. So when Mike talks about his, um, when he talks about his dad, um, like it, when Mike got caught, we talk about Mike's dad, um, how he said the integrity, like you either have it or you don't. That is, um, the buyers. Gary Byer, and it's a family that has adopted Mike, mm-hmm. um, and that happened when he was 25, mm-hmm. which has really just filled this beautiful hole in our lives of oh, yeah. parents. Um, they are the grandparents to our children. They are incredible humans. 
which makes me, which I mean, really kind of you, you talking about them is a great way to end this because that's my testimony. And my, I used to view my testimony as like one of hardship and like one of overcoming and like, you know, um, overcoming the odds and like the world is against me and I stood up against it and just spit at it. <laughs> you know, I was this real cocky, arrogant kid. But the reality of it is, is my testimony is one of God's grace yeah. and his timing and his goodness. Mm. And like looking back, I, I, I see it just covered in it. You know, like if my dad was in my life, it would, he would have been a horrible influence. He was a, he was a, he's a, he is, he was, I don't know if he is now a terrible human being because I've talked to a lot of people. And his ex, his dad's ex-girlfriend, but they were together for a very long <laughs> Cheryl, time. Cheryl. She messaged Mike on Facebook a couple of years back. Yeah. I actually messaged her and we started talking and she has been a. What light. did she say to you? His greatest gift to you? His, he says your greatest, your, your dad's greatest gift to you is leaving you mm-hmm. because he is an awful human being. And she's like, I hate to have to tell, be the one to tell you that, but right. if nobody's ever going to tell you that, I'd much rather it be me. And look at God's goodness in that. Yeah. Whereas for so long you held that pain of like, why would this happen to me? Mm-hmm. What was wrong with me? Why didn't he want me? Oh, yeah. I but like God's rejection. goodness was, he took him out of your life. He I, saved I, you. Yeah. And I mean, and there's still pain from that. Like I still fear rejection because my dad, reje- I feel like my dad rejected me. Yeah, but there's rejection. healing in that. But I mean, there's God graciousness. God's graciousness for me in that when my mom died, look who I went to. Mm-hmm. Like I went to the most, the, the safest, most loving place possible. Yeah. And like the answer to the biggest question in my life at the time was 40 feet away from the front door where I spent mm-hmm. most of my time, mm-hmm. you know, like. God's plan didn't change for me when I tried to change it. You know, I still went to Bible college and I still fulfilled all those things. And even when I hated going there, like God had such a good plan for me that was so much better than what I wanted and what I had planned for. And, you know, and I'll be honest, even even being a drug addict, God has done some incredible things. And I see, I see his love and his protection and his, his sweetness to me and tenderness to me. Because I could have gotten to heavier drugs. Mm. I could have committed suicide. I could have done a lot of other things. I could have... I could have done some awful things. Well, Mike's even said, like, him getting caught when he got caught is the goodness of God. It was divine. Yeah. I was... I, I would have probably... You probably would have found me dead in the office one morning when you woke up. I would have been one of those people that was like, you know, I'd say that you had died and everyone would be like, what? And I'd be like, I know what? <laughs> because I knew that you were sad. Mm. I knew that you were struggling with like doubt and like struggling to um, see yourself as God sees you. You had low self-worth. But I would have never, I would have never thought that you were actually going to kill yourself. Like when people talk to me about listening to that podcast and they bring up you having a gun in your mouth, I was like, yeah, I learned about that while we were recording. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it's God's, gosh, God's goodness is written all over our lives. And if we can step back. And sometimes I feel like if we can step back and take the pride out of our hearts and just take a, a, a clear picture of it all, like, this isn't happening to you. Hmm. This is happening for you. And and God has said that he, um, he takes care of us, mm-hmm. that he's the one that directs our path, something that I'm thinking a lot about. Um, meditating a lot is that God literally directs my path. God works things out for the good of those who love him. And not like, hey, I love Jesus, but like who are actively loving Jesus, who are actively 
hiding his word in their hearts, who are actively worshiping him, whose lives are a, a, a beautiful sacrifice to him. And I'm not saying that we don't mess up, but I know that when you are actively loving Jesus, he works things out for your good, even though it feels tremendously bad at the time. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage, especially after Paige said it tonight, like if I had if I had reached out to like Miss J and said like, hey, I'm really struggling with this and this is going to be like a make it or break it for me kind of thing, she probably would have asked me questions, which would probably led to me going over to Mike Lixie's house three years sooner, <laughs> you know? Then you would have had to go to Chicago. I would have had to go to Chicago. You would have been a senior. I would have been a freshman. Mm-hmm. You would have stolen me. Yeah, maybe. Or I could be the youth, youth pastor. pastor at WBC right now. and I'd be married to someone else. be married to some other douche. You're not a douche. Some other douche implies that you're oh, a douche. Some douche. There we go. There it is. <laughs> uh, Guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging out as we just kind of tell our story. Next week, I'll be telling my story. It's um, a good one, guys. <laughs> it is a really good one. It is a good one. Guys, thanks for listening. I appreciate listening to my testimony. God is good. And yeah. He takes care of us. This is laugh so you don't cry. Bye.